0: Behold, the prophecies of Christmas. You know, when Pastor Shane had asked me to speak in regards to the prophecies of, Christ, of Christmas, it's something that really kind of strikes home with you, especially for someone that has little children in the house, okay? Because here's the thing that I get asked as a daddy from my kids every day, every hour of the day, Every minute of the hour, every second of the minute. Why? Why? This morning I had the opportunity, and and Pastor, I thank you for granting me the opportunity to to leave to go preach. But I had the opportunity of preaching in in a place called Bat Cave, North Carolina. Have any of y'all ever heard of Bat Cave, North Carolina? About two of you. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> I found out where it was this morning. It's in the middle of nowhere. You go down a windy road, and when it stops, the church is on the left. That's what I found out. But I had the opportunity to preach in Batcave, and this morning as we came down Baldwin Mountain and we're heading uh, back 198, back towards the, the interstate, man, the thought fog was so thick and heavy, all the way up to Greenville and all the way from Greenville all the, almost all the way to Asheville. And as we were driving, the question kept coming up of, are we there yet? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Are we there yet? Has, has the time arrived? And what I found is children are full of questions. Well, listen to me, we are children of God and we're full of questions as well. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was talking to the disciples and they kept asking, How should we come to you? He said, Come to me as the little children. With the faith of a child, right? With childlike faith. Well, if we're to go to God with a childlike faith, that means that we have plenty of questions that probably need to be answered. And in our lives as believers, there has come a point in time in your life, if it hasn't already, it will. And tonight, maybe we can answer some of these questions of of why. When did this happen? Why did this happen? Where did this happen? Those are the three questions big questions I'm going to try and give an answer for tonight, and I want to answer them with prophecy. I think there's no greater way uh, to reveal who Christ is than to look back to the Old Testament and to see through the writings that were written many, many years before Jesus came in the form of man, uh, what greater way to announce who Jesus is than to go back to the Old Testament and to see that. So usually I have you stand when we read Scripture. Tonight I'm not going to do that because I'd have you stand about 15 times and we would get our calisthenics in. I think that's the word. Calisthenics, is that right? Good. All right, I got that one right. But, but we would get in our workout, basically. Our heart rate would get moving and all that because there would be a lot of standing and sitting, so I'm not going to put you through that tonight. Uh, but what I do want us to do is I want us to understand, behold, the prophecies of Christmas. What do these prophecies look like? Now, we know that if we ask the who, what, when, where, and why's, we know the who is Jesus. We're talking about the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one who died upon a Roman cross so that you and I could have the freedoms that we have today. And you say, well, he died for us to have American freedoms. No, that's not the freedoms I'm talking about. The freedoms that I'm talking about are our spiritual freedoms. I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing greater than the feeling of being free in Christ Jesus. That's one of the things I was preaching on this morning was the glories of God and how God gives us this greatness and these glories. And it's not a prosperity. It is an understanding. It is finally being able to sit down and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm no longer bound by the sin in my life. I'm no longer bound by the way that I've lived. As a matter of fact, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is talking about how we are children of wrath. Listen, I'm no longer a child of wrath. Praise the Lord. He allowed me to become a child of His. These are the freedoms we're talking about. So the who, right? The who is Jesus. The what of Christmas. Well, why do we celebrate Christmas? Well, because a child was born. I look out and I see Carol holding a Cabbage Patch child. Right? And, and y'all probably had to go to Cleveland and, and that child was born and you had to sign a declaration, a, a, a adoption paperwork for that child. Did you not? Did you know that a book of Ephesians chapter 1, I believe it's verse 7, says that once we become children of God, we are adopted into his family? You say, well, you're comparing me to a Cabbage Patch kid. Well, that's what I looked out and saw, so you can have that. I mean, it fits. Some of us, the shoe fits a little better than others. but... But the truth is, when we're adopted into the family of God, we become a part of this family. Man, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that God loved me enough that he was willing to do whatever it took to get me into his family. And whatever it took was his son dying. And I think I've said this before, but I love each and every one of you, and I love all of you greater than anything on this planet, but I don't love any of you enough to give my child for you. Any of my children. Any of the 37. Y'all pick which one. I got enough. But I don't love you enough for that. God does. So the what is the birth of Christ, the birth of God's son? God being willing to say, all right, here's my son, and he's in the heavenly place, and I'm going to take him, and I'm going to place him down into earth. I'm going to or give birth to him through a virgin by the name of Mary, and through that, he is going to save the entire world. Isn't that awesome? So yeah, the what is the birth of Christ. The when. Here's where it gets interesting. The first point I want you to see tonight is that he, meaning Jesus, ushered in a new age. He ushered in a new age. We're going to find this in Isaiah chapter 11 beginning in verse 1. He says, And there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. I'm going to pause right there for a moment, and then we'll hit verse 2. So there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Now, what is this talking about? Rods and branches. Some versions may say twig. Other versions say a shoot. A shoot from the stem of Jesse? What does this mean? Well, I I like the term rod, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I like the term rod because I know what rod means. When when I was a kid and I messed up, mom would tell me to go pick a hickory. How many of y'all have picked a hickory before? Let me see your hands. How many of y'all have picked the wrong hickory and got sent out to pick another one? Let me see your hands. All right. I heard a comedian one time. He said, now that's what cruel and unusual punishment is. He said, because you get sent out to this tree and you're told to pick something that your mama's going to hit you with. And you're sitting there looking at the tree thinking, if I pick that one, she's going to send me back out here. And this one's going to break my back. So which one do I pick, right? I know what picking a hickory is. I remember my sister was dating a young man and my mom said, go outside and pick a switch. And he thought she was talking about a switch on the wall. He had no clue what my mother was talking about. But I know what a switch is. I know what a hickory is. I know what a rod is. A rod is something that we get disciplined through. I also know what discipline means. A lot of times when we think of discipline, especially as children, youth, I want you to hear this. When you think of discipline, you think it in a negative connotation. It's always bad. I want you to reverse that. As a parent, it's not negative. As a parent, if it's done correctly, it's done out of love. And you're showing your child how much you love them by the disciplinary actions that you take towards them. Now, not all children need to be spanked. I get that. Some of them you can sit in the corner, and man, I'm going to tell you, it'll wreck their world. Uh, my son, I can look at him and say, son, I'm disappointed in you. Whoo! He don't like that. I got another child that I could break her back with a, with a rod, and it wouldn't change anything, anyway. <laughs> but nonetheless... When we start to understand who this Christ Jesus is, this root that he's talking about here is the Messiah. Yeah. This rod that's coming forth. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. So who is this stem of Jesse? Well, we find that in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 and through. Hang on, I'll tell you right quick. Look at that. See, I ain't even prepared. Verses 1 through 17, you see the genealogy of Jesus Christ written out. And it comes through, it starts with Jesse and goes all the way through, all the, way through the lineage of Jesus Christ. And you see it come down through the, through the way of David, right? By way of David. This is prophesied about, Isaiah chapter 11, right? We start to see how this prophecy is fulfilled. And what I need you to understand is that in order for Jesus Christ to be the true Messiah... In order for him to fulfill even these three prophecies that we're going to go over tonight. That's not including the rest of the tens of prophecies that he fulfilled. It would be like hitting that lottery a couple of weeks ago. For someone like myself who doesn't even play. That's the chances that you have. But here he says, all right, so we've got this rod that's going to come forth from the stem of Jesse and branch out and grow out of its roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So you have this beautiful spirit that's going to rest upon this rod that's going to come out of of Jesse, whatever that means, right? Let me explain to you what that means. That means that one day there will come a Messiah, and the Messiah will come from the lineage of David. And when that Messiah comes into the world, the Spirit of God will rest upon this Messiah and will give him knowledge of things that no regular man should have knowledge of ever. And as that knowledge comes forth, that knowledge is also going to bring a sacrificial giving. You say a sacrificial giving, well I know what that means, I've given sacrificially before. I gave a man $100 one time when I didn't have it for myself, and my my family sacrificed for that. C.S. Lewis, I was reading a few weeks ago uh, regarding uh, my my daily devotion, and one of the things C.S. Lewis said was this, how dare we say that we give a sacrifice to the Son of God? Think about that for a moment. How dare we say that we give a sacrifice for the Son of God? I do not have anything that's worthy of sacrificial giving to Christ who gave everything for me. The little that I have to give up isn't true sacrifice. It's just me saying, God, I'm going to be yours. I'm going to be available. I'm going to let you use me true sacrifice is a man laying down his life for his friend That's what true love is and we see that love coming so when we start to see this first prophecy of when it's the new age that's being ushered in now uh, along with Christ the Messiah coming we need to understand what that means as far as the ages You have the age that was the age that will be the age to come right and and Luke chapter 20 I think gives a great example of what this age to come is the the present day age uh, That was going through the Jewish time all the way up until Christ's death burial and resurrection was the day of the law Hear me on this it was the day of the law and at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that day of the law was lifted. The ban on Christianity, is, as to say, was taken away. And all of a sudden, there became a new way. There became a new way for people to get saved. And I praise God for that. Because I'm telling you, I've read the law. And, and you know what? You can't eat pork in that. I like bacon and country ham. You know, there's a lot of things within this law that if I'm going to be truthful with you, I have no way that I can uphold it. And God said, look, I'm going to take the veil, I'm going to take it back, and all of a sudden we have this new age. Now, this new age also extends into a time in Luke chapter 20 that, that is on past the age of Christianity. Which tells me this, that the new age that Christ was ushering in was the age of eternity. He talks about people being married. And then all of a sudden, that's taken away. That's taking away at eternity. So when we think about this new age that Jesus was ushering in, this new age is a new age of eternity. It's something that's never-ending. I love the Lord. And I'm thankful for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I'm thankful for his birth. I'm thankful for the fact that we get to celebrate Christmas. I'm also thankful for the fact that as believers in America, we have the opportunity to celebrate Easter and Thanksgiving and all these other great holidays. But I pray that we never commercialize it to the point that we forget what the true meaning is. The true meaning is not a gift. It's not a a, a big fat man coming out of a chimney. It's not what I can buy for you or what you can buy for me. That's what God did for us Amen. on that magical day in Bethlehem. Which leads me to the second point. He came from meager beginnings. Yeah, I said the word meager. Y'all were like, man, Mark's saying a lot of big words. Awesome. I said meager. He came from meager beginnings. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Listen to this. This is crazy. He says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, mm-hmm. yep." though you were little among thousands of Judah yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose going forth goings forth are from old from the everlasting alright so Micah's giving the prophecy to Israel and he's talking directly to Bethlehem and he says look you Bethlehem even though you're tiny even though you have little the ruler's gonna come from you. Now, for us as Americans, this doesn't mean a whole lot. You gotta understand that. We live in a nation where we see people go from ra- uh, rags to riches all the time. We see it with LeBron James, didn't we? You know, the basketball star. And we hear, we hear all these great stories about people that go from rags to riches. I need you to understand something. In other countries, this doesn't happen. You're destined to live the life that you're born into. And so when we look at Bethlehem and we see Bethlehem as such a small little community, and it is. I've been there. It's a pretty neat place, but it's, it's little. It's sitting up on a hillside, and you're looking down over, over all this, this beautiful land. And you go to Bethlehem, and Bethlehem's a good little travel from Nazareth where, where they would have been located at. That would have been their, their home place at that time. That's where the angel came to Mary and told her that she would have a child. And her and Joseph were betrothed together. They were going to get married. And all of a sudden, it came time for the the child to be born. And what happened? Man, Caesar Augustus came forward in Luke chapter 2. And he said, look, we're going to give out a, a census that everybody has to sign. Well, because of Joseph's lineage, because he was from the lineage of David, he had to go to Bethlehem. That was the, the place that he had to go. So we see again where God is dictating where even this child will be born. And so they get Mary in, they stick her on a, on a donkey and they, they start dragging her and they're going all the way across. And man, that's a long travel. That's a long journey, I'm just telling you. And, and especially with a woman that's about to give birth. I know, I know, I've been with my wife four different times I've seen her getting ready to give birth. The last thing I want to do is stick her up on the back of an animal and say, we're going to travel across country. She would look at me like I had been hitting the head with a nail. I'm just telling you, it would not go well. But here Joseph is, and he says, come on, this is what we're going to do. And they get all the way to Bethlehem, and what happened? There wasn't any, run, any room. No room at the inn. No room for you. Everything's closed off. And I can see Joseph right now arguing with the innkeeper. Going, please, Mr. Innkeeper, you don't even realize, man, my wife is about to give birth. we got to have a room. And he says, no, nah, I'm sorry. But, please, I'll do anything. You can have a donkey. Just get, give me a room, please. He said, no, nah, I'm sorry. So, you know, we think about a manger. <laughs> And in our minds, we have what that looks like. It's probably a stable, right? No, that's not what it was. It was a carved out spot on the side of a mountain. That was it. It was a cave where our Savior was born. Imagine some old shepherd, and he had this old field, and he needed a place where he could sleep, and his donkey could sleep. As they were out on the, you know, watching over the sheep, and so he takes the the most. Uh, elementary tools that he can find and he digs out the rock on the side of a mountain and he makes a cave just deep enough to lay down in. And this is what my Savior was born in. You know what? I praise God for that shepherd that prepared the place where my Savior would be born. I praise God for Caesar Augustus because without the... Without the census, this prophecy wouldn't have been fulfilled. I praise God for the little things. Y'all know how that feels? You ever pray? You ever sit down and just think about the little things in your life? The little things. Me and my wife were driving down the road the other day on the way to her mom's house. It was Wednesday afternoon, and there was a car heading towards us, and it ran off the road, and it swerved, and he regained control. That night as I was laying in bed, it was the little things. I said, Lord, thank you for allowing that car not to hit us head on because it was about to. It's those little things that we need to thank God for. And think about all the little things that had to line up for this to take place. Every single one of them. For Joseph to be a man that was willing to say, hey, we're going to do what we need to do and we're going to go do this census. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, if it were me, I probably would have said, hey, we're going to hide and maybe they won't catch us. That, that, they won't know. <clears throat> Honey, I'm not putting you up on, that, on the back of that animal. We're not traveling across the country to do this. There's no way. I, I mean, imagine going from here to Atlanta, right? Or even from here to Cornelia. On, on a donkey. Could you imagine that? But you know what my Savior did, and he came from meager beginnings. And then the question of why. Why did all of this happen? (laughs) This is my favorite part, Pastor, so give me just a minute. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I want to read this to you. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. 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 Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Why did this happen? Because God wanted to be with you. He wanted to be with you. Have you ever had somebody want to be with you before? you know how special that is to go somewhere and somebody actually showed up for you my mom and dad are with me tonight they showed up for me not for anybody else but for me they knew I'd be preaching and they wanted to be here in support and I'm thankful for that more than they will ever know it means the world to me but if you ever been somewhere and done something and somebody showed up specifically For you. Think about it in your head. Was it awesome? Did it make you feel good? Every single one of us has been through that at some point in time or another. A friend, a relative. Somebody has shown up for you. Did it make you feel good? I want you to think about this. God sent Jesus to this earth. Specifically. For you. Step back for a moment. God sent Jesus specifically for you. That means in your trials and your heartaches that Christ is there for you to depend on and He's there for you to rely upon. He's there to bring you joy in the midst of the storm. He's there to give you comfort in your time of need. Notice I said comfort, not provision. He's there to give you comfort in your time of need but more than anything he's there to give you salvation in your time of desperation I can't help but go back to that Ephesians passage that I preached from this morning that we were once children of wrath and one of the things I kept going back to was my last name, my last name, my last name my last name means something okay it means I'm a lawnmower mechanic. First off, it does. Everybody, everybody, all the men in my family can work on a lawnmower. Now, some of us better than others, but that's just the way it is. I'm the best, in case y'all <laughs> want. But that's just the way it is. That's what we all did as a profession at some point in time or another. Now, I've got a brother who can cut wood. Man, he is the best. He's the best carpenter I've ever met in my life. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I can't cut a straight line if you asked me to. You don't believe me? Go right over to Homer Street and look at some of the carpentry work I've done over there. I'm telling you, it it looks like a bunch of four-year-olds put it together. But nonetheless, God did gift me in the area of mechanics. In the area of mechanical ability. And the reason why is because I can understand things. I, I don't know why. So I know you're sitting there looking at me like, Hang on a second. I know this guy. He don't understand anything. Now, when it comes to an engine, I can understand the way that it works. And because I can understand the way that it works, David, you and I were speaking about this this evening, I can figure out how to fix it. If something's broken, because I understand how it works, I can figure out what's broken and fix it and repair it. Right? And I said fix it. That's a Georgia term. Repair would be the proper t- vernacular. There I go with big terms again. But because of that, that's how my mind works. But here's the thing. Because of my last name, I'm able to do that. What I figured out, and this is so awesome. What I figured out was that in July of 2007, guess what? Kneel down right here, I got a new last name. God gave me a name that supersedes Thomas. Do y'all get that? It's bigger than the name Thomas. It's the name of Christian, Christ follower. Little Christ, whatever name you want to give it. But that day, my life changed, and it changed forever because I received Christ into my life. I gave my life to him. I said, Jesus, whatever it is you want for me, I'll do it. And and I didn't realize the implications of that. But but I said it. I said, whatever you want from me, I'll do it. I didn't expect him to move me uh, across the country. I didn't expect... Uh, Him to call me into full-time Christian ministry. I didn't expect the things that he called me to do But nonetheless, I had to hold up my end of the bargain So I'm still saying Jesus whatever it is you want from me. I'll do it. Just tell me what it is Just speak to me And because of these fulfilled prophecies He's able to and because of these fulfilled prophecies I'm able to hear Because this last fulfilled prophecy is this. He abides with us. He abides with us. He lives with us. He sups with us. That means he eats with us. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you sit down to eat with somebody, that means you like them. You don't invite just anybody to your dinner table. It's people you like and people that you love. and, And God loves me. So he gave a son for me. And he said, Mark, I want you to sit down at my table and I want you to eat with me and I want you to experience the greatness that is God. Now remember what I talked about with the greatness of God being the joy and the comfort and the peace and just the understanding that we find through the blood of Jesus Christ. But none of this could have ever happened without the birth of Jesus. When I first read the title of this passage, I wanted to say it like this. Behold the prophecies of Christmas. Because that's how powerful it is. Every head bowed and every eye closed. i got to ask you this evening, do you know him? Now listen, I I don't mean I don't mean do you know who he is. James tells us that even the demons know who he is and they tremble and fear his name. I mean, do you have a relationship with him? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Has there ever been a moment that you've said, God, I, I don't understand you? And that's fine. You don't have to understand God. I don't understand him. But I accept the love that you have for me. I accept the sacrifice that you've given to me through your Son. I know it gets confusing at times, and there's times that we sit there and we think, I, 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 there's nothing I can do, and you're right. There is nothing you can do. Ephesians tells us that it's not of, not of our works, lest any man should boast. by the grace of God and tonight where you're sitting if if you've never received Christ as Savior I want to invite you to follow him this prophecy of Christmas these prophecies that we're talking about do you know that they were for you they're about Jesus but it happened specifically for you say, Preacher, I don't, I don't know what to say to God. Well, I want to invite you right now. Where you're sitting, from your heart to God's. You might cry out to God. And it doesn't have to be exactly as I say, but just cry out to Him. You might say something like, Father, I, I'm a sinner. I know that I'm lost, and I know that without you, I'm heading for hell." God, tonight I recognize. I recognize that you sent your son for me. And I want to accept. I want to accept that sacrifice tonight. Lord, I give it to you. Right now, right where I sit, I give it to you. I'm asking you to come into my life and change me. Don't accept it without thanking Him. You might thank Him and say, Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for coming in my life. And saving specifically me.